10 AI-powered side hustles you can start today. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. It's the business podcast. You can actually apply. Now, AI, artificial intelligence, hands down, one of the hottest topics going on right now. And today we want to dive into some of the actionable ways that you can capitalize on this new technology to either start a new business or grow one that you've already got. And to help me talk through these is Matt Wolf from futuretools.io and the Future Tools YouTube channel. Matt's a longtime friend who's been doing a deep dive on this stuff for the past few months. So I'm anxious to get caught up. Only recently started playing around with some of these. Now, last week, Matt shared some of his advanced affiliate marketing strategies that helped him earn over $900,000 from one affiliate product. So if you missed that episode, be sure to go check that one out. But that's actually where I want to start this list, kind of in that affiliate marketing, content marketing realm. So idea number one that I'll throw out there is an AI-powered content website. And niche sites uh, you know, were a thing, and then they were less of a thing, but they're seeing a little bit of a resurgence. They're kind of having a moment again. And I wanted to get your take on what the... Or what you see as the AI play here? Yeah, so you know it's great to be back. So first of all, thanks for doing it again. It must have been a good enough episode <laughs> that you wanted to chat again. But uh, yeah, so the Future Tools site that you actually just mentioned is actually an AI-powered site that's also an affiliate marketing site. So all of the tools that I curate on there, maybe twenty-five percent of them are actually affiliate links. So that's actually an example of a site that's using affiliate marketing and AI. The Descriptions for each of the tools are generated through AI, but then also the, the tools that are being mentioned, if that, that product has an affiliate program, I'm using my affiliate link on it. So that's one example. But So the, meta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, the, the example that, that I like to tell other people about is to, you know, in our last episode, I talked about Thrivecart and how I built an entire website around Thrivecart and created articles about Thrivecart, tutorials about Thrivecart. Well, you can do that same thing now. Just let AI do a lot of the writing for you. So, you know, everybody seems to be fairly familiar with ChatGPT right now, but there's also a tool called GPT-3, which is the sort of underlying tech underneath ChatGPT. And if you go to OpenAI dot, uh, shoot, what was it? If you it, Basically, if you Google OpenAI GPT-3, you can find what's called the GPT-3 Playground, and it's a, a free tool that you can use, and you can have it you know, summarize articles for you. You can have it rewrite stuff for you. You can have it write stories for you. You can tell it to use various copywriting frameworks for you. For example, the, the PAG framework, which is uh, Problem Agitate. Uh, or I guess PAS framework, sorry, yeah, Problem okay. Agitate Solution, right? You can tell it to write a document for you in the PAS framework. And so what you can do is, let's say I'm doing a new site on Thrivecart. I can go and take the entire sales page of Thrivecart, just copy all the text on the sales page from Thrivecart, go over to GPT-3, paste it in there, and say, summarize what this tool does for me, right? And now you have a, a, a summary of what Thrivecart does, right? That's essentially what Future Tools does with each of the tools that's on the okay. site. As I use GPT-3, summarize the sales page, and then put the little description on the sales page. You can do that as a blogger as well. So go and pull the entire sales page, tell it to summarize it for you. There's one blog post. Tell it, list off five benefits of using this tool. That's another blog post right there. Tell it to, you know, tell you three different uh, use cases for this tool. It'll try to come up with three different use cases for that tool. That could be one, that could be three blog posts right there. So you can sort of extrapolate off of that and start to get 
you know, an infinite amount of ideas of potential blog posts that you could write on this niche site. Yeah, my pushback or maybe my question for you would be, you know, how do you differentiate? Because it's it's obviously pulling this information from what is already published on the internet. And so if you're trying to create content like the, you know, 10 best air fryers for your, you know, kitchen products affiliate site, like what level of unique authority and expertise are you bringing to the table? That's a good question, and I think that's something that is going to get brought up a lot. And you know, the way Google works and the way the SEO sort of algorithms work is you've got to have the sort of most valuable content to stay at the top of the search engines. Now, Google's already kind of said that with AI, they're not going to necessarily penalize AI, but they're going to penalize low-quality AI. So I, I think it's always a good idea to go back through and almost use AI as a rough draft. That's how I would personally do it, is use it as that rough draft, is like that sort of idea generator, right? The, the sort of you know, the first 80% of it, you go back in and polish it up with your own voice. That's probably the, the better way to do it. But the, the way Google is going to work is if somebody clicks over to your website and they stay on your website longer than they stay on, you know, somebody else's website that has similar content, they're going to rank yours better than the other one. So as long as it's valuable content that people are sticking around and it's solving their problems, then most likely Google is going to rank it. Now, the, the real problem, which I don't, I don't know the answer to, is what happens when everybody has the exact same content? How is Google going to you know, rank theirs over that? And you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think, I think over the next several years, we're going to see a huge shift in the way Google operates, right? Because right now you've got ChatGPT, and people are using that instead of Google, right? If they have a question, how do I... How do I write this script in WordPress? How do I make this HTML or whatever? They're not going to Google anymore. They're going to start going to ChatGPT, ask ChatGPT, and it's just going to give them the script that they need. Now, Google itself is working on their own AI called Lambda, but you know there's a whole interesting thing going on with Google doing the same thing because as soon as Google does the same thing, it crushes their ad revenue business. So there's uh, <laughs> you know there's some interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, early stages of this. I'm curious to see where it all goes. And yeah, this duplicate content, like if, you know, a dozen niche site creators all in the same space are feeding the same prompts in and it comes back with the same or very similar answers. It's like, yeah, how do you polish that up in a way that stands out, that adds unique value, that showcases your expertise versus like, I just trying to throw as many pages, as many you know words I can on this topic up against the uh internet spaghetti wall and see what sticks. But absolutely, I like this call to kind of use it as a rough draft, as an idea generating framework. And maybe that's where where that goes versus just like copy paste, hit publish, see what yep. happens. Yep. And I, I think the real value too is going to come more from, you know, finding the right niche, finding the tools that other people aren't talking about. There's going to be more value to that because, you know, the the actual content creation process is becoming very democratized, right? It's becoming to a point where pretty much anybody can create similar content to each other. Yeah, which, uh, yeah. I, when I posted in the Facebook group, the podcast introduction that ChatGPT had generated for me, which was it was like 95% of the way there. All I told it was write a podcast introduction uh, about for, for Nick Loper. And it knew what a podcast introduction was. It knew who I was, which was, you know, to a T, like it nailed it. And it was a great, you know, 45 second spiel. Like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about. This is why you should tune into the show. It was great. And, you know, a lot of the comments were like, hey, this is really cool. Slash, this is a little bit scary. Slash, you know, what do you do if you're 
a content creator? What do you do if you're a writer? Like, what's this going to do to people in the copywriting space, the freelance writing space? So maybe that, I'll throw that out as idea number two, is like, how do you, you, maybe you are that freelance copywriter, and now you have just a new tool in your tool bag, or are you you worried about this? Like, this is coming for your job. Yeah, I think, you know, I think one thing that you have to do well as a copywriter to be successful as a copywriter is be good at coming up with, you know, the big idea, the hook. And I don't really think that GPT-3 or the, you know, the, the various... AI tools that are out there are great right now at coming up with that hook, right? They'll, they'll be pretty decent at looking at a tool and saying, here's the benefits of that tool. Here's what that tool does. You know, they'll, they'll give you that synopsis and give you the, the high level stuff, but the really good copywriters, you know, the, the, the ones that, that the Gary Halberts and the John Carlton's of the world, those are the ones that they come up with a hook or an angle or a perspective of looking at a product that nobody else has looked at it from, right? If you've ever watched like uh, Mad Men, right? Like they're trying to sell like cigarettes, right? And they're, and they're talking about how everybody's cigarettes are the same. And one guy says, yeah, our, you know, during the process, we toast our, the tobacco in our cigarettes, and the, you know, the ad guys say, well, that's your selling point. You know, your yeah. cigarettes are toasted. And the guy's like, but everybody's cigarettes are toasted. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but nobody else is selling it that way. Right. So it's like that hook, that angle, that, that sort of new perspective on the product. I think copywriters that are going to be successful are going to be the ones that are good at looking at things from a perspective that the AI can't look at it from. Yeah. And even though it's, you know, prevalent in, in our circles, you know, the, the greater, uh, you know, humanity has yet to play around with any of these tools. So I think there's plenty of market share left to conquest for uh, for any copywriters or freelancers uh, out there. Uh, what else is on your list? So one of the one of the things that I've been playing around with lately, and I'm going to make a YouTube video about it soon, is actually the idea of using these AI art tools that are out there to make coloring books. And I haven't seen anybody else do this, but it's something that I'm, I'm excited to play around with. You can actually use a tool called Midjourney. And Midjourney is an AI art generator. It's free up to like 25 art generations. And then after that, I think it's 10 bucks a month to use Midjourney. But you can actually go into Midjourney and think of a topic. Like, let's say you want to make a coloring book around exotic cars or something like that. You can go into Midjourney and say, draw me an exotic car in the style of a coloring book. And it'll actually draw the image in black and white and leave the inside unfilled without color. And you can go in there and let's say generate 20, 25 different images and then take all those images, go to um, Amazon's KDP program, the Kindle Direct Publishing, and they actually let you publish physical books through that platform as well and take all your coloring books images pull them into KDP and make a coloring book. Now, this is something I haven't actually published yet, so I can't tell you what sort of money this is going to generate for you or anything yet, but this is an idea that I've been playing around with that I'm going to go and test next. At one point, you know, for the top 100 book sales on Amazon, like a a staggering percentage of them were adult coloring books. Right, right. And it was like, oh, I you know, I, I color to relieve stress. It's like, uh, you know, if you have time to color, like how stressed really are you? But it was, you know, it was really eye opening to me. Like I had no idea this was as popular as it was. And so that's actually a really creative use case for it. And, you know, costs you almost nothing to do it. Yeah. You could do kids, you could do adult, adult coloring books, you know, no, essentially zero incremental cost. And then it's all print on demand. If Amazon wants to send this out to the customers on your behalf. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I have, I have kids that color, and when they're sitting there with their coloring books, a lot of times I'll go sit next to them and grab a coloring book, too, and sit there and color, too, and it is very sort of therapeutic and fun, so I can see why they do well. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's very addicting. <laughs> once, you get, <laughs> once you get started, and your kids are scribbling all over, they're like, no, 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 come on. Well, that's awesome. So that was number three, coloring books. What else is on your list? Yeah, so one thing that I actually have been doing is, and and this one might start to sound a little controversial, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what your take is on this, but I've actually been generating photos inside of MidJourney as well, and then selling them on Adobe Stock. So Adobe Stock is one of the few stock photo sites that in their terms and conditions actually says, we do allow AI-generated art. A lot of the stock photo sites specifically say no AI art, right? So Shutterstock and um, some of the other bigger name stock photo sites, they will say we don't want AI art. And they're not doing it because they don't think the AI art is good quality. They're doing that because those sites are starting to build their own AI art generators inside of them. Shutterstock, you can actually generate AI art inside of Shutterstock. So they don't want people going and making AI art submitting it to Shutterstock and then bypassing their built-in AI tool. But Adobe Stock is, you know, in their terms, they're actually accepting and, you know, creating whole new categories on their site for AI art. So I've generated about 50 images so far using that mid-journey tool and then uploaded them to Adobe Stock. And out of those 50 images, I've made about $50 so far. That's over, you know, it maybe takes... 40 minutes or so to to generate all of those images and then put them into Adobe Stock. And I kind of did a few here and there over several days. But the ones that I've uploaded, they've generated about $50 for me so far out of about 50 images. So that's another one that I've been been playing with a little bit. Well, as planting these little digital money seeds where you know people could continue to buy that years from now. And so that's an interesting one. How do you figure out in the you know realm of images to create across you know everything that's floating around in your brain, how did you decide well, what am I gonna what am I gonna spit into the prompt here? Yeah, so uh, the Adobe Stock site itself actually has a section of the site called Insights where they show you the top selling images for the last month. So you can actually go into Adobe Stock, go to the Insights section, and you know around December, all of the images in there were images of you know snow covered mountain or or Santa Claus or uh, you know, New Year's fireworks or things like that. That's what you were seeing a lot of it in December. And so it always shows you sort of a, a 30 day running, like here's the images that have been selling well for the last 30 days. And you could go in there and, and just get tons of ideas from what's selling well. Ironically, the ones that have sold well for me aren't ones that showed up in there. Uh, the ones that have sold the best for me were ones that I was just kind of generating some fun images. The best selling image for me is one where I did like a paint splattered heart or something like that, right? And it's this and it's this heart shape that looks like, you know, paint dripping off it, but it's very like rainbow and colorful. And, you know, it's, it's kind of got the, the sort of like LGBTQ sort of... Um, you know, vibes going to it. And okay. that image has done the best for me of the ones I've sold. But a great way to get inspiration is just go look at the insights of what else is selling really well on the site. Yeah, that's an interesting way to do it. You know, go where the demand already is versus trying to create something totally from scratch that nobody's ever seen before. And then I imagine you, you know, tag these with different relevant keywords as you upload them. And then what do you make on each sale? Yeah, so it, it ranges. There, you know, there's different licenses that people can buy on the images, and based on what sort of usage license they use, the amount varies. Um, but I would say it's typically between fifty cents and a dollar per sale. 
Okay. Yeah, it's definitely a a volume game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it's not something I'm obviously doing for like a main income. It was something I yeah. was doing more as an experiment to see, hey, can I make this work? Yeah, and that's like I've played around with a few of them, and Mid Journey was not one of them. Trying to create you know custom images for blog posts. I had a post like you know different ways to make money with a pickup truck, and so it was like, okay, it would be cool to have a pickup truck with like just wads of cash like flying out the back or something and so i tried to like type that in and the results that i got were like this truck you know the front end is all you know unrecognizable or like the bed of it is you know it's missing an axle or like it was just kind of weird alien mashup images and i don't know maybe this maybe the tools have gotten better over just the past few months but it's like i imagine you kind of have to play around with it till you get something that is more realistic looking yeah, you do. And, and Midjourney is probably the one that's the best at the moment at making the art. If you're using Stable Diffusion or Dolly, which are some of the other ones that people mess with a bit, they're not quite up to the same level as what you'd get out of Midjourney. And another thing, just to sort of add to that, is you can't really do people very well if you're going to try to sell it on stock photo sites, unless it's an illustration, like a cartoon-looking person. One thing that I've run into is I've tried to make images of like you know business people shaking hands and stuff like that that you'd see on a stock site. And they want model releases for it. And I'm like, but it's not a real human, it's AI. And they're like, yeah, but we need a model release. And so there's some weird stuff going on there where they think it's a real and you can't prove that it's not a real person. So they want the model release. So so that doesn't work. And then the other thing you do find with people is it really messes up their teeth and it really messes up their hands. You'll make images and it'll look like they have 40 teeth and it'll look like they have seven fingers on each hand. And so, you know, people is not something that you can do super well yet. <laughs> And the controversial side of AI art is it is kind of it's going to be a derivative work of art that it is finding on the Internet. It's like this is this was somebody else's original work that the machines are kind of like mashing up. Yeah, to a degree, not all of them. So, you know, if, if you go in and generate art inside of Midjourney or Stable Diffusion or one of these tools and you actually put an artist's name in there, it's going to try to replicate that artist's name. I don't typically do that. In fact, there's been scenarios where it'll generate images and it will actually generate that artist's signature down in the corner of the image as well. So, you know, you, you probably don't want to be going in and, and putting in the style of and then putting some of these artists in there, especially if you're going to sell them on stock photo sites. You know, if you're doing it for personal use and you're going to use it as your desktop background or whatever, you know, who cares? No, no real harm done, right? But if you're going to try to sell it and make money on it, I'm not going in there and trying to, you know, make it look in the style of a specific artist. You can do that, but it's, you know, I don't know if Adobe stock looks down on it. I personally have ethical boundaries that I don't want to cross there. And I do sort of feel for some of the artists, right? I do see both sides of the coin. I do feel like, you know, there's these artists who spent all this time crafting their style and really dialing it into the, the, you know, it's unique to them. You see this image and you know, that's that artist. And it doesn't sit well with me that I can go and create something that looks exactly like what that artist created, but they didn't create that. So I have my own sort of ethical boundaries there. Uh, Midjourney has sort of its own style. Midjourney is is its own model that was trained and Midjourney has really its own look now. So you can see images and go, that was generated with Midjourney. And it doesn't specifically look like any sort of artist specifically made it. It looks like a Midjourney piece of art. That's why I use Midjourney. And that's really most of the art that I generate is in that Midjourney style. Uh, all right. So that's number four, this uh, selling stock images. Again, you know, planting uh, some digital assets that hopefully can 
bring in some revenue uh, over time, even if it's not a lot, definitely a, a volume play there. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences, with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Number five, I wanted to get into some of the audio and video tools, and maybe we'll start with the video front. So I think there's some tools that, given a prompt, will spit out YouTube thumbnails, that maybe even will spit out full YouTube videos. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, so I'm trying to think of the, the name of some of these tools off the top of my head. Here, let me, let me pull this up here. So, you know, there's not really any great tools that I've come across that you plug in a prompt and it'll just give you a completed video, right? But it will get you a good chunk of the way there. There are tools out there that will create decent looking slide decks for you. So let's say you want to make a video about, uh, you know, the benefits of using GPT-3 for AI, you can go to one of these tools and say, I want to make a slide presentation about the benefits of GPT-3. And it will actually generate all the slides for you. It will generate the text that goes on each slide. It'll generate the images on each slide using, you know, Dolly or Stable Diffusion or one of these image generation models. And it will actually make, you know, a 10, 12 uh, slide slide deck for you with every single slide with the text. Right. And then you would want to go in and, you know, maybe use something like DaVinci Resolve or ScreenFlow or Camtasia or one of these video recording tools and go in and sort of record your own voiceover to the slides and go through the process. But it'll, it'll, you know, do the process of making the visuals for you. So that's, that's one way that I would, I would suggest doing it. There are tools out there that will hunt down stock video for you and then take the, the text that you've entered and try to find the perfect stock video to go to the text. But I haven't found any of those to be super accurate or great yet. So I can't see that, you know, working super well just yet. 
Yeah, one we had played around with uh, a while ago was Lumen 5, which you could feed it a blog post or you could feed it kind of like your table of contents of your blog post and it would kind of create this cool like motion graphic type of thing with some video, some stock footage. And it was like, that's okay, but I don't know if it would necessarily be the most compelling thing to watch on YouTube, especially if you didn't have the voiceover to go with it. But yeah, um, yeah, there's another yeah. tool similar to that called Flicky that I've played around with. And it's and Lumen 5 and Flicky are very, very similar. But I found myself going in and pretty much every image, every stock video that it found going in and replacing it myself with one that I find that's better. So I, I didn't find that it, it was actually super accurate at finding the best videos or images for what I was talking about. Okay, so maybe this is a an opportunity if you have existing blog content that you want to push over to YouTube, you could use the tools to create these like slide deck style videos. And then you do your narration over that if you, if you don't want to be on camera. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one of the tools that I've messed with is called Tome, T-O-M-E. Uh, that's a that's a free one. It's It's got like a credit system where if you, uh, you know, when you first sign up, they give you a certain amount of free credits to make free slides. And then if you refer friends to it, they'll give you more credits. So I don't think they actually have a way to pay for it yet. You just got to use the free credits or refer people to get more credits. There's another one called slides.ai. There's a handful out there. If you check out the Future Tools website and literally type in slides or slide deck into the search, it'll show you all of them that exist. Okay. Are you using that stuff for any of your videos? I'm not. No, I I still like to do it the old fashioned way and pretty much make all my videos from scratch. (laughs) I don't even use chat GPT for scripts or anything like that yet. I still... I still like to just kind of free flow and share my share my mind on videos. I mean, w- when does it get to the point where you and I don't even have to show up to do this <laughs> call? Like it because we've seen even with um, Descript, right? It can do overdub. Like it recognize it knows your voice and like, oh, I forgot to say this certain word, and rather than re-recording it, like it could just say that for you, and it sounds you know it's passable, right? And so it's at a certain point, do you even have to, you know, where, where does it go? Where does it, where does this rabbit hole end in terms of, you know, what, where do you actually have to show up and, and do these things? Yeah, no, the Descript is really fun to play with. I, I actually used it. You know, it's not super great if you want to just, you know, copy and paste a whole paragraph and then plug it in and try to use your own voice. It starts to sound very digital and you can tell. Like when I, when I was using it, I tried to have it do like a whole paragraph with my voice but it kept on making every sentence sound like a question. So like the, the end of every sentence kind of went, all right, this is the end of my sentence. And, and it just kept on like <laughs> kind of doing that little, it made it all sound like a question, like I'm Ron Burgundy. Like, and so I, I, but, but for going in there and replacing like one word, if I accidentally said that instead of then or whatever, going in and just tweaking it, it's you know awesome for that kind of thing. Yeah. Very cool. All right, we'll call that. Number five, some video creation tools, either for your existing content or, you know, maybe you go out and pitch clients. Hey, I want to help. I'll create your library of content and send that over to uh, YouTube for you. Uh, what uh, What's next on your list? Yeah, so here's this is kind of a fun one. So if, if you go on, on Fiverr, right, you can find voice impersonators, right? If you want, you could go on Fiverr and say, I want somebody to read me a script in the voice of Morgan Freeman. And you'll get an impersonator that sounds like Morgan Freeman. You give them your script, and then you'll get an audio back that sounds like Morgan Freeman saying everything you put on your script. Well, there's actually a tool out there called voice.ai that I've been playing around with quite a bit. And it's got a whole bunch of celebrity voices programmed into it. And I can just talk into my microphone just like we're talking to each other now, and it will actually morph my voice into these celebrity voices. And this is another one that's starting to get a little bit scary, right? Because like, where are people going to take this? Are we going to be able to sort of, at what point are 
we not going to be able to use audio as evidence in court and things like yeah, that. Yeah, deep because, fake. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we have the, you on record of saying this. Well, that wasn't me. That was the AI. Exactly. But you know, one of the, one of the ideas, and I actually haven't personally done this yet. This is more of a, a conceptual theoretical idea that you can play with is you could go and use this voice AI tool and go on Fiverr and sell, you know, impersonations of some of these celebrities. Right. So, um, I've, I've made some videos. I actually have a, a video that's coming out today on the day that we're recording this of where I show people how to make a, a funny video with Joe Rogan. And I sort of used an AI image generator to make a, a picture that, that kind of sort of looks like Joe Rogan. It's not very close, but it kind of looks like him. And then I use voice AI to animate his face and make him talk. And then, uh, or I used a, a tool called DID to um, animate his voice and make it look like he's talking. And then I use voice.ai to actually create the voice. And so you can actually go and sell, you know, voice over impersonations of different voices if you want, where somebody gives you a script and then you record it in the voice of Morgan Freeman and, you know, sell it to them on Fiverr. So that's, that's another idea that people can play with if they want to. Yeah, you could see where this could get people into trouble in a hurry, you know, uh, you know, celebrity endorsement at the top of your podcast. Like, uh, wait, well, did he really say that? You know, how did this work? Yeah. But I mean, I, I, on the, the flip side of that token, I mean, I guess theoretically, you can always already do that with hiring an impersonator to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, voiceover impressions. That's kind of a fun one. So that was number six, the voiceover impressions. Number seven I have, and maybe I imagine lots of people in this role are already using some of these tools, but this would be the ad manager, the social, you know, maybe it's uh, Facebook ads, maybe it's Google ads, like you are the you know, go between between the brands and their ad campaigns, and you're managing those, you're optimizing those, you're setting up the creatives. But now you have these tools that will, you know, generate, you know, what what is likely to be the best performing image, what's likely to be the best performing headline, and allows you to split test the stuff in uh, hopefully a faster way than having to create all this stuff from your own brain. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny because Google and Facebook there, you have pretty, you know, decent AIs built into their ad platforms that I don't think a lot of people realize this, but they're, they're using AI whenever they run ads on Google or Facebook. The, the background AI of those tools is trying to figure out which is the best audience to put your images in front of. But there are tools out there, like one, for example, is called adcreative.ai, which will go and generate, you know, 10 different pieces of copy for the ads and 10 different image variations for the ad for you based on, you know, tons of data points of what sort of ads have worked already and just give you a pile of ad creatives to use. Here's a bunch of videos, here's a bunch of text, and then you could throw them into Facebook ads or Google ads and Facebook and Google will do the split testing for you. You can just throw in all 10 and then tell it to optimize for conversions and whichever image and ad combination works for you they're going to start to show that one more and more often and they'll continually optimize and get you the best combo of image and ad. And that's, you know, that's a service that people are paying for all the time. And I mean, even me knowing that this technology exists, I still don't really want to get in and run the ads myself. I would probably still hire somebody to go and use the AI tools and run this stuff for me, you know? Yeah, and this was an episode we did last summer with Brian Kieran, and he talked about his journey from really struggling with imposter syndrome, like, well, who am I to, you know, raise my hand and say, I could do this stuff to landing clients at a thousand bucks a month, 1500 bucks a month to manage their ad campaigns for them. And it seems like, you know, again, even though these tools may be somewhat familiar to us and everybody in the marketing industry kind of sees where this is going, 
most people have no idea and you can go out and sell those with some tools in your toolkit now to make your backend processes more efficient. So that's, um, I think, I think there's definitely something there and whether or not you're doing ad management or maybe number eight on my list is social media management coming up with, you know, I will manage your Twitter account for you. I will come up with compelling tweets or I will come up with compelling Instagram captions. Like, I think there's lots of opportunity in that space too, just because, you know, these tools, like we start to recognize them as being, you know, necessary evils that, you know, time sucks and you get to scroll down into the algorithm and you, the doom scrolling. <laughs> but at the same time, like, well, you got to go where the audience is. And that's, you know, all the, adi- uh, the audience is on a lot of these platforms. And so if you can create content better, smarter, faster using some of these tools or help, you know, just put on your agency hat or your freelancer hat and say, I can turn around and go do that for somebody else. I think there's some opportunity there. Yeah, and I think the social media one, you know, is number eight here. I think that's a good one to talk about. It's something that I would probably never personally want to do, but it's 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 available out there. There's a lot of companies out there that would want somebody to go in and manage their social media for you. But I'm a purist. I think social media should be, you know, the, the person you think you're talking to. <laughs> but it is it is a service that, that companies would hire for, right? You do have brands, right? Like KFC is actually a really good brand on Twitter. They make really funny tweets. I think Wendy's does as well, right? There's there's brands out there that that you know they hire social media people to run it and there's less of that concern of like, is this really the person I think it is, right? But, you know, you would never go on Twitter and, you know, see the Matt Wolf Twitter and go, is this really Matt talking? Like, that's not something that that I want. But there are tools out there, you know, Tweet Hunter being one. There's a, a tool called uh, Reply, spelled R-E-P-L-A-I, that the, these tools will go and actually write tweets for you. Reply actually looks at it's it's for writing replies to other tweets. So you go in there and you find you know tweets that are relevant to your niche or your industry or whatever, and say I want to write a reply to this tweet, and it'll try to think of a reply that works with that tweet, and it lets you go like funny or serious or angry or disagreeing, and it has various tones that you can give the reply, and it'll reply to that tweet with an automated reply. I played around with this tool. I actually made made a video about it. It's cool. The technology's cool. I wouldn't actually use it myself. I feel kind of icky using it personally. But if you're a brand or you're a big company and and you know you want to play around with some of that stuff, that's out there. And then you know Tweet Hunter, the one that I mentioned before, what that does is it looks through the last like several years in a niche. So you can say I'm you know in the AI niche or I'm in you know podcasting or something like that, and it'll find tweets over the last two or three years that have gotten the most engagement on Twitter in your niche. And then if you find a tweet that you really, really like that, let's say had, you know, 2000 likes on it and 150 retweets or whatever, there's one button you click, you click that button and it'll go and rewrite a new version of that tweet. It's like a, an article spinner for a tweet, you know, but it's almost, I think it's using the GPT technology and it's saying, look at this tweet, write something similar to it. And I haven't actually written any tweets that way, but I've, I've clicked it to see what it generates and you know, I've always kind of felt weird about that. Like, I want, I want my thoughts on social media to be my thoughts. <laughs> I wanted something original. Like, yeah, that is an option, though. You know, me personally, my sort of like ethical—I I don't know if it's if it's an ethical thing—but my sort of boundary with that is, I can see it being cool for like big brands, but not for people, right? Like, I if if I knew like someone like Gary Vaynerchuk was doing that, I'd probably be like, that's that's a little weird, you know? Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Trying to regurgitate some popular tweet from three years ago. And because the shelf life of a tweet is so short, nobody's going to remember that, oh, this you just spun that from 
you know, some other tweet that did well three years ago. But I agree with you. It's kind of like, well, you know, I kind of want it to be my own original thoughts. And it does it, you know, just perpetuate the downgrade of Twitter, you know, where everything starts with the same hook, you know, everybody breathes, but 99% of people are doing it wrong. You know, here are <laughs> seven, seven breathing hacks to, you know, optimize your life. It's just like, Every single thread starts, it's just like, oh my gosh. But, oh yeah, there's, uh, a, there's a whole industry sprouting up around writing the perfect beginning hook to a Twitter thread. <laughs> <laughs> the formula, yeah, I mean, but, you know, the formula works. And so maybe there's opportunity to go out and sell that. And that's just Twitter, of course. There's lots of other social platforms that you know, may be ripe for, if you, if you have the digital marketing agency, again, more tools in your toolbox uh, and maybe social media management is a specialty amongst that. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Uh, okay, so that was number eight. Uh, what is, what's next? So the, the other one that I think is actually a very you know needed service that I think people would would pay for quite easily and, and quickly, and you can do it on Fiverr or Elance or you know any of the you know freelance type sites, is image improvement. Right. So people take photos on vacations or they have product shots or things like that and they want to clean them up. They want to, you know, remove the background from it or they want to maybe somebody took a family photo on the beach and there's, you know, somebody 
unpleasant looking in the background of their image and they want that person removed from the image. There's a lot of AI tools out there that do this sort of image optimization. There's tools that will completely remove the background and just make the, the subject of the image just, you know, that's the whole thing and take the background out completely. There's tools out there that will remove items from or elements from an image. If you want to get that, you know, that, that ugly person behind you out of the image, there's tools that you can sort of highlight that person and it'll just poof, remove them from the image. Without having to be a Photoshop expert. Without having to be a Photoshop expert. It's, they're literally browser-based tools where you drag and drop an image in and one of them is called Clip Drop. That's one of the probably more famous ones. You drag and drop an image in, you can remove the background from it. You can you know, highlight something in the image and it'll go poof and remove that person from the image. Uh, there's image upscaling where people will have an image that's maybe only you know, 600 by 400 and it's sort of a, a low quality, low resolution image. And you can pull it into one of these upscaler tools and upscale it to, you know, 6,000 by 4,000 instead. And it maintains the quality. It actually uses AI to look at where the pixels are and to, to try to fill in the gaps of that image and make it higher quality. There's tools out there called like watermark removers. So, uh, you know, there's obviously some ethical concerns there, but I've, I've used the watermark removers because they actually do a good job of removing like little weird stuff in the images as well. Like if you get like weird scratches on the image or, you know, your lens is scratched or something like that, you can actually r- uh, run it through one of these watermark removers. It sees that kind of stuff as watermarks and cleans up the image for you. And so, you know, if, if somebody really wants to clean up an image, that's a, a, a perfect service to sell on some of these sites. Another thing that's springing up is, you know, product shots where let's say you've got, uh, I, I've seen this a lot in like the skincare industry where somebody will have like a bottle of, you know, moisturizer lotion or something like that. And they'll just take a picture of it on a desk. And then what they can do is they'll upload it into one of these tools and it'll use these AI image generators and redo the background for you so they'll have this like bottle of skincare lotion that's sitting on a desk originally and the image will take it and put it in like a day spa with like candles behind it sitting on like a a a massage table or something or it'll take it and put it on a table sitting on a beach with the ocean behind it you know some of those kinds of tools are, are are popping up and that's another thing that you can do is is the product shot image so the sort of area of image improvement there's a lot of these tools. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid. Most of them are kind of like a freemium model where you can, you know, fix a few images for for free. But once you hit a certain amount of credits, then you got to pay for it. Uh, but that's a whole industry that if somebody wanted to go in and start just doing some of this image improvement for product shots or personal photos or what have you, there's all sorts of tools in there to just make images better for the use case that you're trying to go for. Okay, and trying to step in front of the customer who doesn't want to do it themselves, they don't want to figure this out, just say, hey, look, I'll I'll be your freelance service provider there. i got to share some of these with my wife, because she's a photographer by Side Hustle, and she's doing this wedding at San Francisco City Hall last month, and a beautiful, like, dome building, and she makes it look like, you know, you're the only couple in the whole place, and then there's, like, this glaring, like, exit sign, like, bright green, and it's like, oh, you know, how do we get this off? Or, you know, there's another... Uh, you know, f- uh, photographer and, and her clients like over in the corner. It's like, okay, we'll just make them disappear. It's like little stuff like that, where it's like, you know, she's doing the Photoshop method of like actually removing those, but maybe some of these would help speed up that process. And actually, I feel like it's on the newest iOS for like, you can like click on the foreground of your image and like, I don't know what you would necessarily do with that, but it's getting smarter with some of these background removal I'm on like tools. a four-year-old iPhone, so I haven't seen any of that stuff yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
very good. So that was number nine, kind of this um, image improvement as a service. Number 10 was one that I was inspired by in browsing through your list of tools was the podcast show notes service. And so this is like as a line item on my budget, this is one of the biggest expenses uh, for me on a monthly basis, uh, you know, having a dedicated show notes writer or summarizer person. And so I was like, well, I was kind of curious if any of these tools were any good, where they take the AI generated transcript and they spit back out kind of a time stamped show notes uh, format for you that you can include on the blog post. You seen anybody using using these or doing this? Yeah, so I've I've played around with them myself a little bit and took some some episodes of our old hustle and flowchart show and pulled them in and tested it myself and they're okay, right? It's going to write you a rough draft. You're probably still going to want to go in and clean it up a little bit, but they they do pretty decent. There's one that I used called the Melvin app, I believe it was called. And what it does is you can upload an audio file and it, it might take 15 minutes to process, but you don't have to sit on the website or anything. It'll email you when it's done. And what it does is it literally does what you says. It'll, it'll transcribe the whole thing behind the scenes. And then once it's done transcribing it, it will timestamp where you're, you know, the things that you're talking about. And then it'll give you a summary and then some bullets of things that you talked about in the show. And it works decently well. We've all used automated transcription stuff, most likely, and automated transcription is not always perfect, right? If I'm in there talking about a software tool and it's never heard of that software tool, it might replace that word with something else. So it's not perfect yet. But, you know, it's pretty decent and it will get you a rough draft. There's a handful of tools that do that. It's it's funny. This was one that I was trying to think of a tool because I wanted to build something in the AI space. And I was like in bed, I'm like, I should build a podcast tool that listens to your podcast and goes and basically writes the show notes for you based on just listening to the podcast. I wake up the next morning and go, that, that can't exist. I haven't seen it yet. And I search it up on Google and there's like seven tools that do that already. So there's quite a few and I haven't tried them all. The, the couple that I've tried though have been decent, but not perfect. But I think if you're doing this as a service, right, you don't want the service to be something that you can just completely do yourself as a podcaster, right? Like there, there needs to be some sort of personal touch. Like I, I feel like you need to add some sort of additional value other than just transcribing it and AI generating some show notes for me if I'm going to pay you for that because I can do that myself. <laughs> yeah, layer on your own value add and, and you use this maybe, as, like you said, as a starting point. And we did an episode, this was 466 um, on uh, Awesome Pros, which is, is essentially started as a podcast editing and show notes agency. And they talked about how they got their first customers and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, for a service like that, you know, if they're going to charge, I don't know what they charge, but like, you know, call it 50 to 100 bucks per episode to do this. And this is a tool that could potentially reduce your time cost in, uh, in generating those show notes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's great for writing the rough draft and then coming back in and then being that person to polish them up and you're probably going to write some of the benefits of the episode. Like a human's probably going to write some of the benefits of the episode and some of those open loops and those hooks that get you to want to listen to the episode a little bit better than the AI right now. But saying that the AI is getting closer and closer every single day. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I get, you know, the, you know, the robots are coming, you know, I've, I've seen this movie and end well for the humans, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we have, we have more automation than, than ever before. And up until, six months ago, we had like record low unemployment. So it's like, it's hard to completely buy into the argument that the robots are coming for all our jobs when we have more robotics and automation and AI than we ever have. And yet 
you know, most people still have jobs up until, you know, this recent round of tech layoffs or heavily tech-centered layoffs. So I'm definitely curious to see where it goes. That was 10. Do you have any more on your list before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll give one more bonus one because this is something that I never saw coming that is a new industry that's sort of sprouting up. And that's the, the concept of prompt engineering, right? So when it comes to chat GPT and when it comes to mid-journey and stable diffusion and all these various you know generators where you type in a prompt and then it spits something out for you, well, people are getting better and better at coming up with the prompts that give you exactly what you're looking for. So mid-journey, for example, if you just type in, I want a picture of you know, a wolf in the forest, it'll give you a pretty decent looking picture of a wolf in the forest. But if you go, I want a picture of a wolf in the forest in the style of a synth wave with the colors RGB, and I want the weight of the RGB to be three, and I want the aspect ratio to be three, two, and I want the quality score on this to be you know 500 out of a thousand there's all these additional parameters that you can add to these prompts and it works the same way in chat gpt as well where you can add these additional parameters and get different outcomes closer to what you're actually looking for and i've seen whole marketplaces started to sprout up where people are actually selling their prompts to other people and this to me i never thought would you know actually make money but i saw somebody on twitter just yesterday say i just sold one of my prompts for 150 dollars," and i'm just like that's a thing you can sell these <laughs> prompts that you come up with. And, and so, yeah, there's actually marketplaces sprouting up now where you can go on there and a prompt that you generated a really cool piece of art with, you post the picture of the art and people will go in and buy the prompt to see what you used for the prompt on it, which I don't know, seems huh. kind of interesting because it seems like it's so easy to freely share the prompts around, but people are paying for these prompts, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, it's almost a, a selling your sawdust uh, example where you know we, I, I was going through this process anyways, and like here are the, the the prompt template that ended up you know generating the result that I wanted, and put together though I see I could see like bundles of those being yeah. sold down the road. That's an interesting one. Well, Matt, this has been awesome. For you know, it wouldn't be an AI episode if I didn't tell you what uh, ChatGPT came up with for side hustle opportunities. I asked them, uh, you know, what what are some side hustle opportunities in AI? I like our list a lot better because some of these are like super super technical. I won't go through all of them, but they said building and selling chatbots for small businesses. Like, okay, that's doable. Chatbots maybe are still a thing. Like it was a bigger thing maybe a few years ago. Developing AI powered mobile apps. Like, okay, that's interesting, but some level of technical expertise, building and training custom machine learning modules for individuals and organizations like, uh, yeah, okay. Also, lots of uh, technical expertise offering data annotation services for companies working on AI projects. Like, you know, I feel like the stuff that we came up with was a lot more accessible for people without uh, computer engineering degrees. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Again, futuretools.io, you can check Matt out over there. Check out the YouTube channel. Always interesting videos coming up. It's the crazy stuff coming down uh, the road. So excited to see what happens there. The way I look at this is kind of the, you know, look at it from the shovels in the gold rush mentality. Like if AI is the next gold rush, you could look at it either as the shovel, like this is the tool to go out and sell some of these other services to find a, a growing market and you know, use these tools to work better, smarter, faster, or it is the gold rush. Like, how do you find the proverbial shovels to sell into that gold rush? And we talked about examples to do that in product-based businesses, whether it was stock images or coloring books, whether it was service-based businesses, uh, or whether it was, you know, content-based, audience-based businesses. But that 
is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.